It's time for Money for Lunch, where we feed your brain and your business with supersized portions of business and financial news. Now your host, Bert Martinez. Welcome back, everybody. Super excited to have you on the show. Uh, today's episode with my friend, dear, my dear friend, Larry Shaliga. Uh, Larry is the founder and CEO of MYOB Publishing. He's dedicated to helping people create a more satisfying life through the development of, a, of life skills that are not often taught in our high schools. Today on the show, let's find out about some financial literacy. Literacy is uh, one of the biggest problems that we all have. I mean, uh, you know, it's, it's so funny to me because in school, you guys probably remember this, they teach you some basic math, but they don't teach you basic money skills. Personal management, uh, personal money management is not included in our core curriculum. And this is causing massive problems. Uh, you know, I, I, Larry's gonna tell, tell us some information that will probably blow your mind. And uh, then he's got uh, kind of an action plan on what we need to do to better the situation. Again, Larry Shaliga is the founder and CEO of MYOB Publishing, best-selling author. He is dedicated to helping people like you and me create a better life through the development of life skills. Larry, welcome to the show. Hi, Bert. Thanks for having me back on the show. I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, just FYI, the... The MYOB stands for Mind Your Own Business. And the tagline to that is your life is your business and you are the boss. I love it. I love it. I love it. That's great. Uh, so let's dive into this because, you know, uh, you and I were talking prior to the show and it's almost an epidemic of, uh, you know, uh, yeah, an epidemic of people not knowing what to do with personal finance. And, and, you know, it's so funny to me because we have a system uh, that um, is pushing, let's say, uh, let's start with college kids. We have a system that pushes college kids and their parents to get in massive debt. Um, but yet, as I mentioned in the intro, nothing is being done for these kids to help them with their personal money management skills. Um, most people suffer uh, through, uh, you know, through poor management uh, of their finances. And, and so I think that this topic is so timely because we're constantly getting into money problems. So let me ask you this. What got you interested in this area of, of life? Personal failure. Um in May, actually on May 16th, uh, 2012, I suffered the humiliation of Chapter 7 bankruptcy. Uh, was, I have to tell you, it was, I walked out of that courtroom. <clears throat> I was totally depressed uh, and I was embarrassed because I knew that members of my family, my friends, my coworkers were going to read about it in the next, you know, next day's paper. Um, but I wasn't a stranger to financial problems. I mean, uh, my first wife and I uh, hid bills from each other that we couldn't pay. Uh, we screened our phone calls to make sure it wasn't a bill collector. Um, we actually had to peek from behind the curtains when the doorbell rang to make sure it wasn't the sheriff with another summons to appear in court for not paying debt. Uh, borrowed money from family and friends. Uh, argued a lot about money. Uh, 
well, more accurately, the lack of money. And in 1990, we divorced. Um, so it, it was an eye opener for me that the, the bankruptcy, it was so, I felt powerless. I, I was embarrassed. And, you know, I, I thought back about all the problems I had and realized that uh, I had an excuse for every one of them. I wasn't born rich. Uh, I didn't make enough money. Things cost too much. Um, a lot of excuses. I was good at making excuses. Um, and I went on the internet and started doing some research and discovered that 78% of working adult Americans live paycheck to paycheck, meaning that at the end of the month, they barely have enough money to cover their expenses. 40% of them didn't have enough money set aside for a $400 unexpected bill for like a car repair or a medical procedure. Um, so I just looked at it and said, wow, I'm average. I'm writing at 78%. It's not a big deal. Uh, again, you know, it's, it's another excuse, but um, it, it was also a wake-up call for me. And I remember reading something that um, was pretty impactful, that if you want something badly enough, you'll, you'll make it happen. And if you don't, you'll make excuses. And I realized that I was pretty damn good at making excuses. <laughs> so... Uh, started researching, reading books, talking to accountants and financial experts. And I even talked to people who were strapped for cash and those that had money. And I set a goal that um, I was going to be, within 12 months, I would be paying 100% of my bills on time every time. And I would have an emergency fund with enough money to cover my debt for three months if I, by chance I lost my income. So that, that was the start. I started collecting data um, every day on what money came in and what money I spent. Um, it, it was an eye opener. When I sat down, I mean, the income was easy. I could see my, my gross income, my deductions and my take home pay. That was a piece of cake. But when I got into the expenses and breaking it out into what's essential needed to live and what's non-essential uh, wanted to support uh, my lifestyle, I was shocked. Um, an, an example, if you will, is uh, every day on my way to work, I stopped and purchased a venti white chocolate mocha, $4.75. It doesn't seem like much, but it's over $100 a month. It's $1,235 a year. Um, but I didn't want to give up my white chocolate mocha. That was my wake-up call. So I went online, and for $1.44, I could buy a K-cup, you know? And it, it was over an $800 savings for the year. Yeah. And I just kept doing little things like that. Yeah, you know what? So, and, and, and it's amazing. First of all, uh, the fact that you don't have to do really hard things again, a little, a small change here, a small change there adds up to significant dollars over time. And I think that the hardest thing for us, or at least for me, when it came to money was the fact that it is uh, a waiting game. It's, it's not, you know, the, the, the thing that, the thing that, I think uh, when it came, for example, saving for my retirement, this is something I didn't take seriously or didn't do 
for many years. I mean, I wasn't worried about retiring when I was 20 or 30 uh, because it just seems so like, you know, that's not ever going to happen. I mean, I'm too young to worry about that. But money or the accumulation of money takes time. And now, of course, I'm almost 60 and I'm thinking, man, I wish I would have started earlier. Right. And it's one of those things that just sneaks up on you. Time goes by so quick. And before you know it, you're 40 or 50 or 60 or 70 and you have no retirement or you're still in debt. And and thankfully, today's technology, we can set up a lot of automation. Uh, You can automatically put money aside or to invest. uh, So you don't have to worry about that. But anyway, back to your example of giving up the chocolate mocha (laughs) sometimes you know we are our biggest problems we don't want to give up the chocolate mocha right because you know it's part of our uh what do you call it part of our self-esteem part of our uh makeup as a human being or we don't want to give up eating out with friends because it's such a social thing and and so sometimes we do have to sacrifice some you know some little things here little things there to get out of debt, to take control. But but the interesting thing was, I didn't have to give up the, the white chocolate mocha. I got it just a different source. I didn't have to stop it on the gotcha. way to work. Right. Uh, same thing. You you remember you introduced me a couple of years ago. You you came to Columbus. You introduced me to Arnold Schwarzenegger. Right. Remember that? Sure. He made a little speech and he talked about how much time we spend in front of the television. It's four to five hours a night. Okay. Right. Uh, that was next on my hit list. I was paying $200 a month for television service. And what did I watch? Uh, the news, um, a couple of football games or basketball games, um, you know, once in a while movie. Well, you know what? I already needed the internet for, uh, my business. So I could look at the news there. I could download a movie. Uh, believe it or not, I eliminated television. Um, yeah. If I wanted to watch a sports game, I went down to the local sports bar. So, you know, it's $2,400 a year. Right. So you don't necessarily have to give it up. You just have to look for a different way. Right. Yeah. And I like that. And I like what you're coming up with that strategy. You don't have to give it up. Just find a different way. You know what? And and what's so interesting uh, is uh, a lot of these games are available you know, within a day or two for free on places like YouTube or on some streaming service. And so, yeah, instead of, instead of spending two or $300 uh, a month for uh, a subscription service or cable or whatever, just wait a day or two. Uh, you know, it's, it's uh, I can't remember who said it, uh, but uh, the, uh, I was having a conversation with a gentleman and he said, uh, it took me a while to realize that uh, my favorite players on the Bulls did not know me, did not care about me, <laughs> weren't going to put money in my pocket. <laughs> so when I made that realization, it was easy to, you know, to to uh, make some changes there, right? And, and so uh, instead of instead of uh, we call it, he 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 bought the premium seats, whatever they're called, the the skybox or whatever. And so he downgraded. He still goes to the games, but he downgraded it because he realized I'm still having fun. Kind of like back to what you're saying. He didn't give it up completely, but he changed the way he approached that particular hobby or that particular uh, 
situation. And he still enjoys the game. Um, but yeah, he downgraded his fancy seats to maybe less fancy seats. And, and sometimes you got to figure out what's more important to you, this or financial freedom. Correct. Absolutely correct. You know, we have uh, 26,000 high schools in this country. Uh, they graduate an average of 3.7 million students a year. And studies show that 84.6% of those graduates are ill-prepared to make major financial decisions like buying a car, renting an apartment, mortgaging a house, starting a family, or taking out a student loan. And you make a bad decision at that time in your life, that can affect the quality of your living for decades. But only uh, 27 schools require, well, 27 states require the school to teach personal financial management. Okay, they have to offer the course, but only seven, I'm sorry, it's been updated, it's only nine of those states require the student to take the course. What? Isn't that amazing? You have to offer it, but they don't have to take it. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, that's funny, that, that's hysterical, but it goes to show you why you know, what was your first stat? How many, you know, here we are as an adult. And did you say what, like 80% cannot afford an emergency? Yeah. Yeah. 40% cannot afford a $400 emergency. Yeah. That's you incredible. Know, Hold on a second. Well, and Alexa, stop. I apologize. <laughs> but anyway, but anyway, so you're saying is that 84% cannot afford an emergency. That's unacceptable. And if it's more than four hundred dollars, they're even deeper in debt. Right. It's, you know, we, we make it very easy for people to go into debt. Yes. And they, they don't understand it. And you know, when I happily you were talking you were talking about retirement, I was able to retire and not worry about money. That but that didn't happen until two thousand nineteen. Um, I started helping some family members and friends and, with their financial problems. And eventually I was helping family members and friends of the family members and friends. The lack of financial literacy was appalling. Um, I had one guy that was having trouble with a, his checking account. Uh, when he, we sat down to go over it, the bank statement showed that he had a minus $137 balance because he had bounced so many checks. And I'm, I'm trying to explain to him that, you know, you can't write checks if you don't have money. They're penalizing you $28 every time you do it. You're in debt to the bank. You can't write checks. And, you know, I tried a couple of times. He kept coming back to me with that dough in the headlights look. Um, I'm sure he's thinking, <laughs> Larry, how can I be out of money? I still have all these checks. That's what he did. He picked up his checkbook and fanned it in my face and said, uh-huh, I still got checks. I, I had a, a girl came to me, a young girl came to me with credit card problems. She owed $2,000 and they had frozen the account. She wasn't making any payments. And I explained to her about the minimum payments. And, you know, that's an out, but it's an expensive out because, you know, if you've got $2,000 debt, 18% interest, and you're paying $50 a month, you're going to be paying $50 a month for a little over 15 years. And you're going to pay around $2,500 back, you know, to cover the $2,000. We have to come up with a plan to reduce your timeline. And she thought, Larry, I have a plan. Said, That's great. What is it? She says, I'm getting another credit card to make the minimum balance. 
Oh, for God's sake, put the shovel down. If that hole's deep enough, you know? Um, and then another, these people were much better off. They had much higher incomes. They were a little older. They were in the 38 year bracket. Um, they had been served an eviction notice. And we, we were talking, and if you looked at what they were spending, I mean, they were well beyond their means. And I tried to explain that to them and, and they, they came right back and said, we have friends and family. We have to maintain a certain image. I said, well, what kind of image are you going to have if you lose the apartment? You're going to, you're going to be without a place to live and it's going to ruin your credit score. And the, the young man looked at me and he said, we can move in with my parents. And as far as the credit score, that's nothing but a scam that was put together by the baby boomers to take advantage of future generations. Um, we, we did not work together and eventually he, they were evicted, I'm sorry to say. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. it's just, yeah, the, the, those are just examples of the stuff that's going on out there. And yeah. they're, not do, they're not doing it intentionally, they just don't know. No, that's true. No, absolutely correct. Look, back to what, back to what you said. Uh, first of all, only nine states require that individuals take the the financial class that's that, that's correct seen and only only four states have a standard test to see that that everybody's getting the same level of education mm. that's interesting but only nine states require that you take the, that the course is offered and that you take it right so right well you know what and, and, and i have a friend of mine uh, who's a bankruptcy attorney and I, I don't know when they started this but he told me that uh now, when you file bankruptcy, you are required to take a financial or a personal finance class. So hopefully you can avoid filing bankruptcy again. And, and you know, and, and he says it's not very difficult. It's I think they do it online and it takes about an hour. Uh, and so but what he what he said was um, the thing that's so frightening about the finance class is that it's very basic stuff that he says, should be taught in high school or no less in the first year of college because it's very basic stuff and it goes over uh, kind of the stuff you're talking about, how to balance a checkbook, uh, credit card debt, how debt, or not how debt, but how uh, interest, interest rates work and how interest is great when it's working for you, but how terrible it is when it's working against you. And like you mentioned, at 18% interest, there's people out there who just pay the minimum. And yes, on $2,000, you're going to be in, you're going to be paying 50 bucks or whatever the minimum is for 10 or 15 years. And it's just crazy that people do that. Uh, but it's just the way, uh, what do you call it? The, the system is set up. And, and, and I think part of the problem, and I want to get your take on this is first of all, as parents, we know very little when it comes to personal finance. I mean, I, you just gave tons of great examples. And so therefore we don't teach our children and it just, you know, it's just, just this generational type of, of uh, misinformation that is handed down over and over and over again. Yeah, 49% of the people that were surveyed said that, that live paycheck to paycheck said they grew up in a household that lived paycheck to paycheck. You know, people think that, you know, there's three, three theories. Um, one is that it's the parents' responsibility to teach their kids personal finance and not the schools. Well, okay, 
we've already said 78% of the adults are living paycheck to paycheck. It's probably not a good idea. The second one is that the teachers are not prepared or educated to teach personal financial management. And then the third one is there's a lot of lobbyists out there that, you know, represent credit companies, car loans, student loans, et cetera, et cetera. So there's three different groups of, I'll call them excuses. And I'll go back to, if you want to make it happen, you'll find a way. If not, you'll make an excuse. Well, these are excuses. We're not asking the question, the right question. It's not, why don't they teach it? It's what can we do to, to get it taught in the schools? Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and, and again, uh, again, here's the situation. You have 80% of adults who don't know anything about money or how to manage it. So guess what? That's exactly what they're teaching to their kids, either by example or by osmosis or however you want to, you know, the, the kids are picking up on that. And then again, you have adult teachers who fall into that same 80% category. They don't, you know, they're, they know, they know that they're not handling money well. And so I bet you a lot of them don't feel as though they are qualified to teach. How can I teach something that I don't do? It, so it makes perfect sense to me. And so again, it's, it's this perpetual uh, lack of information, perpetual lack of money, self-esteem, whatever you want to call it. But yeah, I mean, I could see it. It's, it's, it's not going to stop until somebody's, until somebody's able to get in there and interrupt this pattern of uh, non-teaching, for lack of better terms. Yeah, and, and you know, we have a core curriculum, and it's defined by the states. And the core curriculum, the original intent was to prepare the student for the next level of education or the workforce. And if you look at the classes that are included in, the, in most of the curriculums, it's English literature, social studies, science, math, and history. Okay, most of those are not life skills. I mean, you need those, but you don't see anything there on personal financial management. Part of the reason is the funding for the schools comes from the federal government for the public schools. And they look at criteria to rank the schools, how many students graduated in a four-year period, how did they perform on state-initiated tests, and what were their scores on the ACT and the SATs. None of those uh, measure proficiency in personal money management. Therefore, it's not a consideration. They're going to focus on those the classes and the subjects that support the testing that they get funded for. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, what's interesting to me again is uh, again, you have this federal government that I do not believe it's their intent to uh, uh, what do you call it to not teach the subject, but you know, the federal government, like, like most municipalities, like most government departments uh, you know, they, they're understaffed, overworked, uh, and they're outdated. You know, nothing has really changed in decades. Uh, and, and you have a bunch of people that want to keep it that way. Um, and as you mentioned earlier, then you have all these financial institutions who want everybody enslaved. I do believe 
you know, they know that if they pass out whatever, 10,000 credit cards, they know how many are going to default uh, and they know how many people are going to are going to what do you call it uh, go crazy to pay those debts and, and so it's a it, it, to them they're not going to be they're not going to lose anything they've been doing this for hundreds of years they they figured all this out uh, okay so Larry so how do we fix this program what what do you think we should do to fix this problem I'm going to steal a paraphrased quote from Elizabeth Warren Senator uh, Elizabeth Warren who said that it wasn't until the parents and other adults started asking for computer, computer skills to be taught in the schools that computer skills started be, to be taught in the schools, okay? If we want to make a change, we're gonna to have to start making some noise and make people aware of the problem and what can be done about it. Uh, one of the things that I'm doing right now is if my, on my webpage, I have three links. One of them is for the contact information for every school district in the United States. Uh, one is a contact list for every board of education in the United States. And the third link is for the contact information for every elected official in the United States. We need to petition those people to start making a change in your respective state, in your school district. You need to push to get those changes made. Uh, a letter of petition requesting you know, a change is absolutely necessary. Not everybody is comfortable writing a letter. So there's also a template on my webpage that you just go in and change the names and the address and, and you know, put your name on there and sign it and just send it into those contacts and make an awareness, make itself heard that this, you know, to me, Teaching this in our high schools is one of the best things that we can do for, for the students. It's one of the best things we can do for our society. And you know it's going to help the country. Absolutely. So Absolutely. Look, the, one of the reasons uh, uh, that uh, America flourished um, in, in, in that, I believe, came from, uh, what do they call it, the greatest generation. The greatest generation, they had... Uh, survived a, a massive recession. Then they went into war and, and they were about saving money. They had gone so long without that they saved and they, they really were about money management. So at one point in America, we were saving 20 or 22%. Now we're down to what? Three, 4%? Yeah. Something like that. It's crazy. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, the, the times the times have changed. They, I can remember my mom saying, "You need to save your money. You need to save your money." The the change that, that goes along with that is back then getting you know five or ten percent interest rate return on saving your money was normal. Yes. Now your savings account, if you can find one that's two percent, you've done something great. Right. Uh, you need to start putting money into. Uh, different things that can generate higher interest for you. 401k, the 401k was originally developed to, to be in support of the pension. Well, it didn't work out that way. The pensions for most people have gone away. Uh, but the 401k gives you a couple of things. One, it's an investment tool that can get you five to 10% a year if it's used properly. But the other thing it does is if you have the, the 401k money taken out of your paycheck, it's taken out with pre-tax dollars. So you bring 
bring home more money without getting a raise or getting a new job. Right, right. You hey, know, listen, we're almost out of time. So you mentioned your website. Where, where do we need to go for your website? www.myobpublishing.com. Great. Myobpublishing.com. In myobpublishing.com. Larry, as always, my friend, it's good to have you here. I'm excited about what you're doing to really not only save uh, our, the kids, but really help the country turn around um, and looking forward to having you back again soon. Bert, I would look forward to it. I thank you very much for helping me spread this message and keep up the good work, my friend.